0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good day everybody. Uh what the hell is today? Tuesday. Tuesday, January 30th. We're a couple days from February. Might be time for me to start growing out the rabbinic beard again. Or not. Doesn't matter. Uh, welcome to the show. This is Fantasy NBA today. Just a standard Tuesday recap edition here in the morning. I do have again pipe dreams of bonus shows in the afternoon. We'll see if they come to fruition. I still have all these ideas of shows that I haven't done. So the ones that I've, the ideas I've had that we've pulled off so far, uh, buy lows. We've done some buy low shows. We've done a lot of those actually. We've done some sell highs, which people don't seem to enjoy quite as much for whatever reason. Uh, we did a few stash shows; those were big hits. Those one really; those really hit the uh, the the YouTube algorithm slip and slide. Um, but I got these other ideas, and I, I don't want to say them out loud because then somebody's gonna be like, "That's a good idea, Dan," and then they're gonna do it before I have time to. But let's see. I have um, one, two, three, four, five, five, five other ideas that I haven't done yet this season that I just. I gotta find a way. I gotta I gotta peel the timeout for it. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. Damn it. But I'ma try. The uh big news of the morning there's a few of them actually. Um busy news morning actually. So uh, let's start with the small news of the morning. Isaiah Stewart did not practice for the Pistons, so one would assume that he probably misses their next ballgame. There isn't an obvious ad, although, if we find out that Azer Thompson is starting, then that would probably be something of light note. Smallish, eh. smallish news uh, Patrick Williams of the Bulls is expected to miss uh, at least two weeks which means if you've got an Iodesumu Desumu floating around on your waiver wire, this would be a reasonable time to go scoop him because it does seem like he's going to have a couple weeks of actual fantasy value. That's good. That's something. Um, also, news of the morning. News of the morning. Darius Garland is expected to make his return Tomorrow. Which means that my buy low show from yesterday where I did finally have Garland on one more time. That was the third time we had him on as a you should be buying low now. Well, that was probably the end of the line. Because now the news is out there. His expected return tomorrow means that whoever has him is no longer going to be willing to sell at an absurd discount. You probably missed that window. If you have Darius Garland, congratulations, you've made it through the dark times. And you hope that the minutes ramp up pretty quick because he wasn't dealing with a knee or, you know, core or whatever where, you know, you would kind of need to ease back in. I'm sure, though, he's not going to get pushed super hard because he missed whatever it was, six, seven weeks here. Uh, but, but uh, it's a jaw injury. So, you know, make sure he doesn't get whacked in the face his first couple games back and then he'll probably get ramped up pretty quick. More news of the morning. DeJounte Murray and DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre? DeAndre Hunter both practiced or were at uh, part of Hawks' shoot around, I should say, uh, earlier this morning. I don't know if that means they're going to play in this game against the Lakers, but Hunter is a name to keep an eye on because we know DeJounte Murray is on the trade block. We know the Hawks have a. There is the possibility that. Uh... uh Okay, so let's say that the Hawks trade a few guys. DeAndre Hunter would be someone that then steps into a very large role. As it says right now, his role wouldn't be that great other than to kind of minimize Sadiq Bey, who uh, likely becomes a drop when DeAndre Hunter comes back, provided, again, nobody gets traded here in the next couple of days. But then the deadline is only nine days away from us right now. So... You know, if you're sitting on Hunter, I think you could probably continue to do that. I thought DeJounte Murray, I put him on the buy low show yesterday, so I still think he's a buy low. Even if he does play, I think people are so freaked out, you could turn it into a buy low. More news of the morning. Cade Cunningham returned to practice, so again, it feels like things were more precautionary on that front. Uh, that'll mean that Alec Burks is not a stream in Detroit anymore, and Jaden and Ivey who's uh, probably barely hangs on to points league value, not even going to be close to nine-cat league nine cat value uh, when Cade Cunningham comes back. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is expected to play tonight for the Indiana Pacers, but will not get a full workload, according to Rick Carlisle. Um, LeBron James is expected to play tonight. Anthony Davis is a game-time decision for tonight. And those are some of the tidbits of news that broke either first thing this morning or late last night. Now, I suppose I can officially welcome you to the show. Good morning, everyone. I am Dan Vespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sportsethos.com presentation. You can find me on social media at Dan Bespris. I know, super duper complicated You can also do me a huge solid by navigating over to our Trade Deadline live show page and throwing a like on that. I'll throw the link in the chat room for those that are with us here watching live. The link is also available in the show description, along with links to our free Discord, uh, my own Twitter feed, our Manscaped.com coupon, our ExpressVPN coupon. The list goes on and on. All that good stuff is in the show description, so please do take a moment to do that. But again, more than anything... Uh, Please like the trade deadline show. Please like this show. If you're watching it on YouTube and please rate and subscribe, no matter how you're taking in this content, that really does matter as we continue to try to push this thing forward. Um, I think we're, I think most folks see this as like this, like top two or three fantasy NBA podcast realm, which is extremely cool. I, like, never in my wildest dreams did I think that that was going to be the thing. Even even when I started doing it, like, I, you guys know, I was a minor league baseball broadcaster. I've talked about that for a while. Um, I do some college baseball, some college basketball. Even now, it gets me out of the house, and it's a lot of fun still. Um, but I, I still think back of, like, it was in March of 2016 when it was like a month maybe after Brew, Aaron Brewski started HoopBall. that I wrote in, I was just like, I've been, I'm, I'm awesome at fantasy sports. How do I get involved in this? And, uh, and Brew uh, taught me how to do some blurbs. I learned blurbing for the website. And then somewhere along the line, we were talking on the phone and he was just like, what do you actually do? And I was like, I'm a broadcaster. He's like, we needed, we need a a fantasy basketball podcast here at Ball." And I was like, that sounds outstanding. That's like my wheelhouse. And that was, that was like April or May of 2016, Um, and I was doing shows with Brew like once a week and I did a show with, I don't know if you guys remember Vince Miracle like once a week in there or twice a week in there. Um, and then it was not until December, November, December of that year that we actually like turned it into a legitimate podcast feed. And then here we are now as one of the biggest fantasy basketball podcasts on the globe. Ridiculous. What a ridiculous universe this is. Anyway, we got to get into the card because yesterday was a big one and we're going to want to move through this thing with some kind of. What's the word I'm looking for? Is alacrity the right word? Alacrity. Cheerful readiness. That's not it. That's not what I want. Oh, speed and eagerness. Yeah, there we go. I'm speedy and I'm eager. <laughs> I'm an eager beaver. New York beats Charlotte. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but they did it without Julius Randle, who's set to miss a few weeks with a shoulder dislocation, and without OG Ananobi, who was a late scratch yesterday, but they figured they didn't need him, and they were right. They didn't need him. Because Jalen Brunson grabbed the wheel of this thing, and uh, they didn't need a whole lot beyond that. Although uh, some expected and good pieces of data on this one: uh, Dante Divincenzo, 28, six and five. He took 22 shots in the ball game. That's crazy, but you knew he was going to be good with Randall out, and then a secondary bump with Ananobi out. Um, Josh Hart, 39 minutes started, 8, 12, and seven. Honestly, it could have been even better if he hit a three or got a steal or a block, but he's also a guy that I'm using here while Randall is out. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein started, but only played 16 and a half minutes as he slowly ramps back up to game speed. Still put up a good line, even in 16 and a half minutes. So yeah, not worried about that. Precious Achua also saw big minutes. I don't like his fantasy game. I've said this to you guys many times, so it shouldn't surprise anyone. So as far as the Knicks go, and by the way, Quinton Grimes, 32 minutes off the bench, but meh, meh. Let's assume OG comes back in the, in the relatively near future. The Knicks you're starting are Hardenstein, because at some point here, he's going to be in the 20s, and then he'll go into the mid-high 20s, and we know he can dominate with that or anything beyond that. So Hardenstein, Brunson, DiVincenzo, and Hart, those are the four Knicks that I'm starting right now. Uh, And then OG when he comes back. But I don't remove anyone. He just gets added on to that pack. Charlotte. uh, So no LaMelo again. Um, And Nick Richards had a bad ball game. But he's fine uh, until uh, Mark Williams comes back, if he ever comes back. And then certainly with all of these guys out, PJ Washington is a start because he's going to take a ton of shots with no LaMelo. Cody Martin finally had a better ball game but I'm not adding him because he'd been super quiet up until this one. Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges are guys you start with LaMelo out. When Ball comes back, let's assume it's at some point here, not too far away. uh, We saw the guy that took the biggest hit there was actually P.J. Washington because he wasn't taking as many shots. He was coming off the bench in that spot, and if that's the thing, that happens again. then I think he becomes more of like a, you know, head-to-head, you can get away with it. I don't know that I would use P.J. against a games cap once LaMelo's back. Uh, but again, Terry Rozier's gone. They're gonna be trying to move Kyle Lowry and Gordon Hayward, who we haven't seen in forever, and uh, so then Lamelo is the only one that's kind of hanging over this thing. Cavaliers are playing their freaking butts off these days. Uh, they're 28 and 16 now, and they've won nine of the last ten ball games. They're 16 and eight at home, 12 and eight on the road. Uh, yeah, that means they're going to have some more road games coming up here, but like firmly in the five seed right now and a half game back of the Sixers and the Knicks. Cavs have been amazing. They got Evan Mobley back for this ball game as well, which, uh, I'm like, you know, this team has really impressed the crap out of me. I know they had a run against some pretty weak competition, but you know, now they got Mobley back. He started on a minute's limit, played 21, um, and he'll be fine. He'll, he'll ramp his way up there. Interestingly, the guy who lost out in this one was Karis Levert, because Isaac Okoro was playing well, and so they just stuck with that lineup. Um, so where do I stand on the Cavs? Uh, well, obviously Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell have been insane lately, and now Evan Mobley, I think, eh, probably startable in his next ball game. frankly. You get him up to like 23 minutes, that's probably enough as he works his way back up the board. Max Struess is a start again, 14-7-3. His shots starting to come back around. Thank goodness it was a very long slump for him. And then Lavert, I think you can go ahead and drop. Especially with Darius Garland due back tomorrow. And, you know, again, Mobley ramping up. So Garland's going to be back. That means Lavert's not going to have a whole lot to do. Or Coro's going to lose his starting job in a minute here. And the Cavs are going to have a... Uh, strong starting lineup again, and all these other guys have sort of figured out how and where they fit while the main dudes were out. I'm, I'm blown away because remember when the Cavs lost Mobley and Garland in like back-to-back hours, whatever that was, six, seven weeks ago, a lot of us, myself included, was like, you know, if this team loses a bunch of games in a row, they might turn into sellers. And lo and behold, they got better. That's wild, man. That's positively wild. Anyway, shout out to uh, the Cavaliers. I didn't talk about the Clippers because fantasy-wise, I don't think there's really anything to talk about. There has been no consistent fill-in for Ivica Zubac. That was the only question we had, and there hasn't been one. Norm Powell was decent again in this ballgame. He's a luxury the Clippers have, but he's not. Uh, there every day. Phoenix beat Miami on the road. Miami's lost seven games in a row. The news in this ball game is that Grayson Allen turned an ankle early in the game and did not return. Uh, Eric Gordon stepped in and had his first big game in a decade. No, that's not fair. Uh, like two months, basically. So, no, I'm not picking him up. You, you know, you'll see games where Okogie plays more. You'll, uh, I, they'll they'll do a little mixing and matching. Uh, in Phoenix. um, I would prefer that Grayson Allen just come back and we don't have to worry about it, but I also am not... I'm just not a fan of Eric Gordon's fantasy game, which... And this game totally belied how it usually goes for him. You just, like... When they had superstars down, two of them, typically, I was like, yeah, go ahead, because you knew he was going to get 18, 19 shots, and you just prayed that he didn't go 6 of 19 from the floor, but he did sometimes. And now... You've got the superstars in there. I know Gordon took more shots than KD in this one, but you know, if that's a thing you think is going to happen regularly, I also have this bridge and so on and so forth. As far as Miami goes, you know who to start at this point. It's the main dudes, and it's nobody beyond that. I was curious what Jaime Jaquez's job would be as he sort of ramps back up into game shape, and the answer is uh, it was inconsistent. He was bad in this ball game, so that cost him whatever chance he might have had for more minutes. I don't think you need to hold on to anyone. That's not one of the four main dudes for Miami. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Terry Rozier, um Tyler Hero. Uh the only good news for Miami right now and it's it's fleeting cuz they've fallen all the way down to the 7 seed with a 7 game losing streak. The only bit of good news right now is that Jimmy Butler has been on a pretty good heater since he came back from injury. Uh, he's up to number 30 now on the season. We just talked about like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, he was number 49. And he's an early second rounder since coming back from his injury as well. So that at least is good. Brooklyn blew out Utah. You can pretty much throw this thing out. John Collins and Keontae George were the Jazz that kind of survived this ball. The game. The I guess Walker Kessler's line wasn't too terrible, uh, but everybody else was bad. We talked about Jordan Clarkson being a sell uh, guy when he was super hot. Now he's cooled off. This is just how it goes. You're holding Colin Sexton, obviously. Obviously, Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markin has been very good all season long, but everybody gets to have a bad one once in a blue moon. So just no, no valuation changes on the Jazz from this one, from where we were at previously with these guys, which is basically... Walker Kessler, because he can put up big blocks numbers in low minutes. He's a start. Markkinen's a start. Sexton's a start. Uh, Clarkson is not, now that he's cooled off. You want to wait for the heater again or, you know, buy super-duper low and then sell super-duper high. He's so streaky. Uh, Chris Dunn, not enough minutes. Keontae George, not enough minutes consistently. And then John Collins right now is probably startable because he's on kind of a uh, a usage tear over his last few games but I also don't think that that sticks forever. Now for Brooklyn, and this is probably the the kind of team du jour today and he's and Ben Simmons is the thumbnail for today's podcast. Ben Simmons is back. He played 18 minutes off the bench and he was The biggest impact player on the Nets in 18 minutes off the bench. 10 points, 8 boards, 11 assists, a steal, and a block on a perfect 5 out of 5 shooting. Uh, Yeah, he looked good. The question, I guess, is how fast do they ramp him up? Can his body handle it? By the way, the answer to that question is we already know. No, it cannot. So do they... I mean, is this a player that they keep throttled down a little bit because of his back and body issues? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. But what I do know is that he made them a lot better. I don't think it was at all coincidence that Spencer Dinwiddie's 26 minutes, the team was a plus 2. Ben Simmons' 18 minutes, the team was a plus 27. I have been telling you all the fade Spencer Dinwiddie since the beginning of time. Not because I don't like the dude. Not because I don't think he's a decent basketball player. But because his fantasy game is whack. He's a very low field goal percent guy who's not really a free throw positive, sometimes scores, and usually gets you some assists. That's all you're getting out of Dinwiddie, and a lot of that is about to go away. He'll have the odd game here and there where you're looking back and you're like, oh man, why did I drop that dude? Because he had like 19-7 one game. But then you got to look at all the games around the good one. And you got this one, a bona fide clunker. So, with Simmons back, my Dennis Smith Jr. stash idea for the trade deadline also probably goes up in flames. Again, I, you know, Simmons might be out in five days. We, we have no idea how long this is going to last. But his return is unquestionably good news for both Cams and Mikhail Bridges, who had already been coming on. Bridges, uh, he's been pretty good for about the last, what are we at now? Like two ish weeks? Yeah. Uh, Third rounder over the last two weeks. That's, we hope, repeatable for him. Third round value. That was kind of what we were shooting for at the beginning of the year. Third rounder that doesn't miss a ball game would have had him at or above his ADP. But, you know, when you have two and a half months before you hit third round that you're a top 90 guy, it makes it a little harder to come back from that. But either way, he's going to have open shots. Cam Thomas is going to have more opener, more open shots. Cam Johnson had one of his best ball games in a long time here, and I hope that that's a sign of things to come. That they can just sort of they can play Cam Thomas, Cam Johnson together. They don't, you know, with Spencer Dinwiddie could be the odd man out. It doesn't really change what you're doing with those guys. I had told all of you to hold Cam Johnson at least through the trade deadline. I know you were yelling at me that it's hard. I don't care. I still think that was the thing you should do. And this ball game is, I think a. At least a reasonable example of why. Cam Thomas is a hold, uh, possibly a sell high, although again, he's another guy that if he gets pushed into the starting lineup the rest of the way, that would be very good for him. And then with Simmons, you know, I mentioned picking him up as a stash, and now you just sort of see how it goes. By the way, I don't think that I would have started him today, or in this ball game. Which would actually be yesterday, Dan. I need. Uh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. I wouldn't have started Simmons if someone was like, Dan, are you going to start him on this minutes cap? Nope, and I would have missed this one. So, you know, full disclosure there. I need Simmons to get up near starters minutes before I feel comfortable dropping him into a roto lineup, and he probably skips back-to-backs, and that creates some other problems. But also, I mean, look how much better the team was with him there. Utah's really cooled off after their super crazy run, huh? I don't to say really cooled off, but cooled off a fair amount. Boston beat New Orleans. This game was tight throughout, and Pelicans went wing heavy in this one, which meant that uh, Jonas Valanciunas and Larry Nance each had trouble seeing enough minutes. JV was able to do enough in his uh, 20 minutes. Larry Nance was kind of not... I still like Nance. We've seen pretty consistently here lately. He can do enough in 20 minutes on a court. He just didn't have it in this one. And when guys are not, you know, world beaters in fantasy, you're going to have some quiet games. Trey Murphy was a little bit better, and he played 28 minutes, so that's good, Uh, but I don't think he needs to be on rosters right now. He's very close to the cut line. In my opinion, he's, like, pressed up against the department store window, like, literally right there, but also eh, I mean, how badly do you really need three-pointers and almost nothing else? I'd rather have Herb Jones between those two guys. Frankly, I'd rather have Larry Nance between the three of them. I think Nance is a guy you should probably be holding in Roto. Uh, If you don't need a center, then I guess that's a spot where you could move on. Herb Jones is another guy that, you know, you see he has two or three of these very quiet games, and then he pops off for a monster one, and that's how overall his value continues to stay, you know, 90 range. But it's going to be the Danny Green syndrome in between, where if you watch every Herb Jones line, you're going to end up being annoyed and dropping or benching, and you're going to miss the good one. This was the front end of a back-to-back for the Celtics, so Horford played in this one, and he was a good fill-in, and then Porzingis will probably play in the other one, but that's really the only note on Boston, so let's keep on trucking. Wizards beat the Spurs. Uh, Koulibaly had a decent line, but again... Only six shots. And this is why, like, the minutes were already there. He was already 31 minutes. If they trade Tyus Jones, what's 31 going to become for Koulibaly? 32, 33? It has to be about usage. And I, Tyus Jones actually had a decent amount in this game. He took 16 shots. He had nine assists. The ball was in his hands a lot. It's just, in my mind, like, I, I think they need to move Kuzma or Poole for Coolably to get enough ball in hand on offense, to be a consistent nine-cat guy this year. Marvin Bagley remains an intriguing stash candidate should Daniel Gafford get moved. I don't think they're going to be able to trade Jordan Poole, and it'd be sort of a bad time to do it because his value has fully bottomed out, which is saying a lot considering how bad of a year it's been. Kuzma could get moved, Gafford could get moved, Tyus Jones could get moved. There's just like there's only so many guys you can sit on leading up to the trade deadline. The guy on this team that would see the biggest bump would be Bagley cuz he goes from 18 minutes to 32. And his numbers don't double cuz that's just not the way the sort of curve line works for how much you get to do when you're on a basketball court, but they wouldn't like he could legitimately be like a an 18 to 20 point scorer in starter's minutes seven eight nine rebounds something like that and you just pray that he doesn't screw up everything else but again that's gonna require a gafford move and uh and the coolably one in my opinion requires probably a jones and another usage guy getting out of the way you could make an argument for it you could make an argument for a stash on on those guys and just hope that one guy gets traded and see what happens i don't think it's impossible but as I sort of handicapped the whole thing, it, it just it sort of feels like it needs more opportunity to do stuff on the court. Not to be on the court, because he's already doing that. Not to be the a feature player in anything going on. Well, the Jeremy Sohan crash was about as hard as expected. Uh, you know, we knew that the heater wasn't gonna last forever and uh, turned, it turned sour in a hurry. The, and, and this is, you know, I, I've talked a lot about how I'm trying to be better on this show about being accepting of playing guys that are just hot, even if I don't think they're going to be consistently good fantasy performers. And I've, and that's what's led to the creation of this sort of stream while warm contingent. Uh, and Sohan was on that, and, you know, Herter and R.J. Barrett and Jordan Clarkson... Cole Anthony, Nas Reed, Bobby Portis—these are all guys that, at the end of the year, now maybe. Uh, well, Herb got off to such a hot start, but most of these names that I just read off are probably not going to be inside the top 100 at the end of the year. But they're going to have two to three week stretches, probably a couple of times during the season, where they are, and what, and it doesn't have, and it wouldn't have anything to do with the players around them. It's not an increase in opportunity. It's not an increase in, you know, minutes. It was just like they got hot for a few weeks or a couple weeks, and the coach is like, you're hot right now. Go play more. It's very hard to handicap that because you don't know when the heater is going to run out, and anything can cause it. It's like in baseball, it's easier to see when a heater starts than when it ends. Baseball, it's like a guy who's in an 0 for 21 slump, and then all of a sudden he gets a broken bat bloop single to right, and you're like, oh, here we go. Here comes a, you know a four for four night. It's coming right now. Boom. It's like clockwork every damn time. Basketball, similar thing. Guys in a deep slump. Uh, has It's like a desperation heave three-pointer when they're not thinking about it, and then bingo. They hit two, three, four shots in a row after that. You can always see it coming on the positive side. What's hard to figure out is when the cold night is coming. You kind of need to know, like, oh, did this guy eat something weird before the ballgame? Is he moving slow? Does he have the squirts? It's not sleep well, bad bed in the hotel, fire alarm went on. Like, all these weird little things that could mess up a guy's heater. I don't know what happened to Jeremy Sohan before this game, but he certainly wasn't the same one as the last five ball games. And now is this a spot where he starts to get in his own head? Heaters and, and slumps, they have this feedback loop thing that goes on. The guys are missing, they're missing, they're missing, and they start they stop believing that it's going to go in. I had a a golf instructor when I was like 14 or 15 years old. I'm not very good at golf anymore because, I I mean, I'm still okay, but I played a lot when I was a kid. And he made a big deal about visualizing. Close your eyes. Visualize perfect contact with the golf ball. And I didn't get it. I didn't understand it as a teenager. And I've always had this weird problem that when I try to visualize myself doing something And this probably says something about my... I have a psychiatric issue that's gone undiagnosed. I always had trouble visualizing it going right. The one that I remember from my childhood... I don't know why I'm getting off on this tangent on a day where we have to cover 12 ballgames. But um, I was on a bowling team my senior year of high school at Corbin Bowl in Tarzana, California. We were called the Jamba Jews. (laughs) Stupid name for a team. Uh, You can guess the makeup of the team, however. Anyway... Um, I was pretty good, actually. I'm, I'm a quite good bowler. I'm, strange, I'm not Mookie bets good, but I'm pretty good. Uh, and I tried to do the visualization thing on that as well, but for some reason, every time I visualized myself bringing a bowling ball back and forward, I visualized it hitting me in the back of my right leg. And I can't figure out why that was the case because that leg gets out of the way. You know, it it, it brings off to the side... It opens up, and you bring the ball through. And it's the same thing with golf. When I tried to visualize a hack, it wasn't consistent contact. It was like I chunked the ground or something. But that's, the, that's what this is. I was obviously a victim of my own brain's issues, but players are the same thing. When they close their eyes, do they see the basketball going in, or do they see it clanging off the side of the iron? I've tried to teach my seven-year-old about visualizing. We do it as we're going to bed at night, and it's not about sports successes. For him, it's visualizing things that make him feel happy and calm because I want my children to sleep through the night without any nightmares, that kind of deal. But just this concept of positivity, of being able to visualize successes in—people say you can do it in business. I don't know how the hell you'd visualize like walking into a meeting and closing a deal— that feels like nonsense, because, like, what are you visualizing this other person saying? You can't interpret it. In my opinion, you have to visualize things that you have control over yourself. What can your body do, and what are the, uh, the the guaranteed results of physics, basically, in that instance? And for these guys, they could do that. Anyway, all that to say, you never really know when a slump is coming. But if it's coming, and these guys that, like, consistently are not ROS, rest-of-season Guaranteed producers, it can hit hard, and you got to get the hell out of the way when it does. Step aside, let the bus come through, and it'll hit somebody else. And again, I'm trying to be better about being willing to take a shot on heaters, but it is a saucy play, and it can really get you bit. Kevin Herter would be another uh, semi-example of this. He's been very, very good over the last two weeks, and I think that's actually pushed him. Now he's at 136 on the season now, so it hasn't even pushed him back inside the top 100. Uh, Over the last month, he's number 90, because again, prior to the last two weeks, he was awful. Last two weeks, he's top 20. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we all kind of expect the Kevin Herter hot run to stop at some point. Uh, but he's cooking right now, and so you got to play him. He's one of the streakiest dudes in the NBA. Harrison Barnes has also been hot, and the combination of those two guys being hot, and Barnes wasn't that hot in this one, but he got extra minutes for some reason, has marginalized Malik Monk. He's been a total no-show over the last few weeks. And I'm, honestly, I'm torn. I'm freaking torn on Malik Monk because... Uh, He's number 151 on the season, and that's about where he started the year. And then he went through a stretch for about a month where he was top 70. And now the last two weeks, he's where I was. He's like outside the top 300 brutal percentages, just not doing anything at all. And so he's dropped himself all the way back down to that slow start to the year. And I'm seriously considering putting Malik Monk in the stream while warm contingent because he was asked to do more when Herter and Barnes were awful. Uh, And when one of those guys is bad and the other one is good, Monk is probably like borderline. When they're both terrible, he's a must start. When one of them's okay, he's borderline. But when they're both playing better, which is, I guess, sort of what's happening right now for the Kings, then Monk is not playable. I don't know, man. I I feel like I'm too low on Monk. And I feel like I have been from the outset, and I feel like it's going to get me. But I just, I don't think he needs to be on rosters right now. I don't think you're going to be kicking yourself all that much until he starts to warm up again. And, you know, if somebody picked him up before that, fine, they'll get the next heater. But you can get one of these other guys that goes on a heater, a herder heater. Let's talk the Grizzlies because they are full. They are straight up infirmary right now. Uh, John Conchar, who was already filling in for Luke Kennard, who was already filling in for Desmond Bain, all the way out. This is full Russian nesting doll style stuff now with Grizzlies. They called up Matthew Hurt on a uh, uh, an injury deal. I forget the the nomenclature on that, and he had to play 23 minutes right out of the shoot. Uh, the starters for the Grizzlies, not surprisingly, got pretty big minutes in this one. Xavier Tillman was forced into larger action, and if if this is the lineup they have to trot out again, then freaking have at it. Uh, JJJ was inefficient here, but obviously he's a start when he's going. Santi Aldama did the kind of game that we were thinking of where like the field, field goal percent was bad, but the free throw percent was fine. He made his one foul shot. 16 points, 5 three-pointers, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals. He can do a lot of things, Santi Aldama, and that's why I remain cautiously bullish on him. Because, look, I mean, look what look what happens when he gets 14 shots. That's a juicy fantasy line. I don't think I have the stones to play Scottie Pippen Jr., and I definitely don't have the stones to play David Roddy because I don't like his fantasy game. He's mostly three-pointers. And he didn't make those here, and he missed some free throws and just, like, way more bad than good. Uh, Same story for Gigi Jackson. Uh, Interesting, but typically I think hurts you more than he helps. But you can't really... It's not like I can tell you guys to go out and pick up Xavier Tillman because I have no idea who's going to play for the Grizzlies in their next ballgame. Aldama, Vince Williams, who was also out for this one, and JJJ are the three Grizzlies uh, and Luke Kennard that are presumably, like, near healthy... Or healthy, that I would play, and then again, just like keep tabs. If Tillman starts the next ball game because they're super shorthanded, you play him. Just make these tweaks, but you got to do it on the fly. Timberwolves uh, without Mike Conley got a win over OKC. That's kind of interesting. Uh, Timberwolves now a half game up on the Nuggets for the top record in the West. There's uh, four teams that are all kind of duking it out for that top spot. That feel kind of safely the upper half of the Western Conference bracket, but this is a really good win for the Wolves, especially without Conley. No, I'm not streaming Nikhil Alexander-Walker. That's the only question on the Wolves' side. Jalen Williams hurt himself in this one. He left late, uh, and then the hope is that maybe he doesn't miss any time, but you'll kind of have to wait and see. Chen Holmgren is on my buy-low board, and this made him cheaper, so that I actually kind of like right now. Uh, Go buy-low on Holmgren. Because he's in a little bit of a shooting funk, he'll be fine, even if it takes the All-Star break to get him there. This is a good young basketball player who is just a little low on steam right now. And a lot of those teams at the top of the West uh, that got off to the super hot starts, Wolves, Thunder in particular, they've been a little more human of late. And that's why they've kind of come back to the pack. And that's that's a nice battle going on at the top of the West these days. Lakers looked like a team that won a double overtime game a night and a half earlier, and uh, they just had they had nothing in the tank for this one. Got blitzed right out of the gate, which has been a problem for the Lakers uh, prior to switching over to this more recent starting lineup. Uh, but don't worry too much about it. Jared Vanderbilt is a guy that I like. He got ejected for flicking Dylan Brooks in the head, and the Lakers were extremely annoyed with Brooks after the ball ballgame uh, for a shove in the back. When Vanderbilt was dunking, um, they said he was his trash talk. Word is that his trash talk crossed a line. That to me sounds like the Lakers being a little bit of babies about it. Um, but I, I I was in the car listening to the game, uh, and uh, Lakers play by play guy was not really describing the ball game. I don't want to I don't want to be that guy, but it was really some of the most painful play-by-play I've ever listened to. So I have no idea what was actually happening in this game. Um, But what I've read after the fact is uh, that the Lakers took umbrage to the push in the back during a dunk. Because that's the kind of thing where if a guy, if he doesn't hold on to the rim, then the legs go forward, the neck and head go back, and that's how you get someone really badly hurt. And so they were just pissed at Brooks right from the outset. And the Lakers were tired. When you're tired, you're always going to be angrier at people. Um, so yeah, no big valuation changes. D is still hot. Um, AD is questionable for tonight. LeBron is going to try to play in Atlanta. And I think Jared Vanderbilt is going to get a whole cr- a bunch of playing time. He's going to be the one Laker who has a little bit of energy for this one. Um, so yeah, give me, give me those five, give me the main four for the Lakers plus Vando. For the Rockets, Jalen Green is very much a sell-high right now. He's taken a ton of shots, and he is making them. And this is the hottest he's been at any point all year, and it's probably the hottest he's been at any point in his career. Uh, but you got to capitalize on it, because this is a guy who was in a deep mental funk. He's bursting out of it, and he's just going to hit every shot he takes for the next, I don't know how many games. Uh, and you ju- you got to ride it. I mean, this is one of those ones that's clear as a bell that he's just super hot and suddenly confident and get what you can. I mean, if you can get anybody inside the top 80 for Jalen Green, you absolutely do it. Frankly, I think if you can get anybody inside the top 100, you do it. Um, Don't worry about Freddie Van Vliet. You just didn't have to do much in this game because the Rockets had way more energy. They shot 53% and just absolutely swarmed the Lakers on the glass Three Rockets had nine rebounds or more. They out-rebounded the Lakers by 20. Three Rockets had more rebounds than anyone on the Lakers. That is a tired basketball team now playing a back-to-back. Expect the Hawks, by the way, to put up some big numbers tonight, I would think, uh, especially if AD sits it out. Jabari Smith Jr. was also back for Houston. Um, Cam Whitmore had 20 points in 18 minutes. I continue to push him more as a keeper dynasty type. Um... You know, if you're, if you're playing him right now, you're getting some stuff, which is good. But I just, I, I, I can't bring myself to go full trust here while the minutes remain this low. It's just, it's kind of impossible to have workable fantasy value in 18 minutes a game. And they're still without Tari Eason. Dallas, big comeback win over Orlando. Uh, Magic continue to be, in my eyes, one of the most difficult teams to handicap on a night-to-night basis. Franz Wagner, 9-cat, Paolo Banquero, points league guys. And then it's like, I got a lot of questions about Jonathan Isaac because he played 20 minutes for a couple of games. And I said, you know I can't trust Jonathan Isaac. And then he played eight minutes here. Anthony Black, out of nowhere, in his return home, I'm told, Uh, had 20 points. I don't care. Jalen Suggs had three steals. I do kind of care about that because I said if the defensive stats really do come all the way back for Suggs. I would get in on it, but his minutes have been stuck in the mid 20s lately. So nope. Uh Wendell Carter Jr. two games in a row. he's basically split the me- the center minutes with Mo Wagner, so that makes kind of both of those guys a nope. Do sh- Do you need to hold on to Wendell Carter Jr? Uh, yeah, probably but I honestly wouldn't care if you didn't. And then Cole Anthony had his first decent game in a long while. Maybe this is the thing that wakes him up and gets him back into the stream while warm contingent, but also uh, Markel Fultz was not there for this ballgame, and that certainly helped the guards for Orlando get to do a little bit more. No Kyrie Irving for the Mavs, so it's Luka, Tim Hardaway, and Derek Lively, and that is the entire story for the Mavs. I don't care that Jaden Hardy... Uh, had uh, 18-7. That's it. I don't care. I'm not playing anybody else on that team. Denver-built Milwaukee. The uh, new-look Milwaukee Bucks, new-look being Doc Rivers, looked an awful lot like the old-look Milwaukee Bucks. Other than it does kind of seem like Brooke Lopez is going to be more involved. So that, I guess, is a decent first sign. But you're not really changing anything with this team. Valuation-wise, no adjustments of any kind. Denver, we haven't had a valuation adjustment since opening day. And we can just zoom past that to the last game on the board, the only truly late game yesterday. Portland blew out Philadelphia, but Philly was without Joel Embiid and without Tyrese Maxey for a second consecutive ballgame, which meant that Paul Reed got to have fun again. Kelly Oubre got to have fun again. Patrick Beverly got to have fun again. uh, And they're obviously not good um, when those guys are the main dudes. And so they got waxed by a bad team. Uh, Tobias Harris was also not good, but he's, you know, certainly someone you can play. I don't know who's going to play for Philly in their next one. I obviously hope, I hope that Embiid and Maxi are back, but I don't know if they're going to be. And if we find out somehow ahead of time that they're not, then you go Reed, Oubre, and probably Beverly for another ballgame. For Portland, Scoot Henderson had his sort of once-a-week decent ball game. I don't know when the when he's going to truly figure this out. The general, the rule of thumb for rookies is after the All-Star break. And so maybe that's when things start to come around for Scoot. Presumably, Malcolm Brogdon will be on another team by then. Obviously, play the crap out of him while you can. Um, Jeremy Grant, I think, is going to be very difficult to trade. DeAndre Ayton is playing better again lately. Simons up and down. It's fine. I feel like the questions you guys have for me are Jabari Walker and Scoot. Scoot, I just answered. That's like, that's a guy you consider acquiring after three bad games in a row in late January. So, like, around now. And then you pray. And Jabari Walker is someone that we need usage guys out of the way. So, Brogdon and someone else. Like, if Brogdon got traded right now and Shaden Sharp wasn't back yet, Jabari Walker might be playable. I still think they need Jeremy Grant to move so that Walker can just, like, really have a lock on the forward minutes because he's a decent rebounder, but he doesn't do much else. You know, we need him 10 to 12 shots, and uh, we need some defensive stats, which are also lacking. I don't know, man. I don't, everybody's higher on Jabari Walker than I am. I, I'm not seeing the fantasy side of it. You know, in last two weeks he's played 30 minutes a game and he's outside the top 200 because he's averaging nine and nine with one combined defensive stat on bad percentages. Eight shots a game—that's a big note there. If that goes up to 11, now you're talking about oh, I don't know, 13 and nine. Over a three-pointer a game, maybe he plays an extra one and a half minutes, maybe the steals and blocks tick up ever so slightly, maybe the percentages aren't as awful. He could creep towards value there, but he's a long way away from being a true nine-cat play. I don't know why everybody is so much higher on him than I am. Maybe y'all are playing points leagues. I don't know. Oh, I forgot to do mid-show promo. Oh, well, lucky you guys. Uh, we're 46 minutes in. I am going to do a quick check of the chat room to find out if anybody brought up a topic that I meant to cover but but forgot to. And while I'm looking through the chat room, I want to remind you guys once again to please go navigate over to our Trade Deadline live show and hit the thumbs up button on that. We are at uh, 583 thumbs up. So uh, 600 is the, the next target marker. Pretty cool, by the way. Uh, I can't believe we might get to 600 before the show starts or beyond. Remarkable stuff. Uh, And go check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. The handyman, the lawnmower, the shears. They've got boxers. They've got uh, shaving creams. They've got chapstick. They got just all the male hygiene and grooming stuff you could want. And it is good stuff. I try not to do live reads for things that I don't actually think are good products. And I'm telling you guys, the Manscaped deal is not only a really good deal, but it's a good product. So again, check them out, Ethos two let Let's see, anything in the chat room? Oh, and uh, obviously follow me over on social at Dan Vesperis. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Uh let's see. Jeff asked if LeVert is a drop. I think the answer is yes. Um bu- 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 bu. Josh Hart. Yeah, we talked about him. Do you see Andrew Wiggins getting back to consistent form for fantasy playoffs? I don't. This is a good question. I didn't talk about Andrew Wiggins because they didn't play yesterday. He's had a couple of good ball games in a row. Um Zazau is the question here. So what I said on yesterday's show, if you missed it, was that I do think Wiggins is someone we should pick up because if it clicks, he could go on a run that, like, levels off his terrible numbers for the season so far. We've just sort of seen no indicators that things are about to magically click. Like maybe it gets better for him in this lineup with Draymond and Kaminga, Wiggins, Clay, and Steph, and they're just sort of like More room to operate, and the Warriors are going to play faster and not much defense. So maybe it clicks. I think the odds of Wiggins being good the rest of the way is like maybe 15%. So if you have dead weight, I'd say yes, pick up Wiggins and just see what happens. Because basically every time he has one big game, I'm like, yeah, we should probably pick him up and see what happens in the next one. And so far, every single time we've done that, he's been horrible in the next ball game. But what if he's not? We'd like to be the ones that are kind of in front of that train. So call it like a, I don't know, hopeful stash. Oh, I don't have a word for it. What is Chet Holmgren's trade value? Go back to yesterday. I did a buy low show where Chet was the was a feature player on it. So that one I actually already answered on a different show. Um, do, 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 do. Who would you stream today out of some wacky names uh we'll do we'll deal with that over on twitter we talked about precious achua Jonte porter i don't trust him at all and uh Purtle's getting close too by the way so that'll hopefully jordan Nawara. oh uh okay so the raptors have a lot of guys out right now that helps things uh nawara gary trent dennis Schroder. all those guys are gonna get a bump Rest of season value for Vando. I think in a great universe, 110 to 120 range. Gafford versus Jalen Johnson. Go Jalen Johnson, because if Gafford gets moved somewhere, um, uh, there's no guarantee that his role stays exactly the same. If he goes some player with a need a center a lot, then his role would be safe, but you just like you don't want to you don't want to take that chance. Take the locked in guy who ain't going anywhere especially if Atlanta starts to blow it up, and then it might just be like the Jalen Johnson show. And yes, I know Derek Lively had a big night, but he also makes a crap ton of rookie mistakes, and I'm sure Dallas would love to not have to deal with those. Develop Lively with someone in front of him who's not uh, glued to the ground like some of their other center options in Dallas. All right. Okay. That'll about do it. Um again trying to uh squeeze in a bonus show this afternoon. I can't guarantee that one. So uh but please do like, rate, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you guys over on social media. I am Dan Vespers for our fantasy NBA today. A sportsethos.com presentation at Dan Vesperus on social. Please again go like our trade deadline live show, and I will talk to you all very soon. Thanks for watching.